You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Your Bibles are turned to Luke chapter 19 this morning. Luke chapter number 19. Great to be able to speak with you this morning. If you would, uh, be in prayer for Pastor as he is up in Swartz Creek, Michigan at uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church helping with a uh, wellness weekend up there. Uh, be in prayer for him. Be in prayer for his family as they're back home. I'm sure he usually cooks most of the meals, correct? Um, so they're not able to eat as much Domino's pizza as usual. Um, uh, no, be in prayer for them. And uh, he's been up there. He was up there yesterday uh, ministering to them and is today as well. Uh, just a few things of housekeeping. Hopefully you like the new paint mantra we're going with here, kind of the striped idea. Um, I didn't realize how bad the walls were until we started fixing them, I guess. And so, uh, no, we had uh, some folks in doing drywall this week. Um, thank you to the cleaning, uh, I'll say ladies and other folks that helped. Um, I think we had a layer of drywall dust on just about everything. If there's some on your seat, you can take it home free of charge. That's no problem. Um, uh, looking forward to being able to preach to you this morning. I was telling my wife last night as I was just kind of going over uh, the message, usually on the evening before I preach, I'm uh, usually still pretty nervous. It's funny to say that in some ways because I've been doing it for a number of years, and not that I've gotten any better at it, um, but I've been doing it for a number of years, but I still have a tendency to get nervous, but I was just last night uh, excited about being able to preach this morning, and so I did not have any coffee, um, um, but I am excited about what we're going to be talking about. A couple of things real quick, a few encouragements. Number one... Um, if you have not had a chance, if you weren't here on Vision Sunday, I encourage you to go back and uh, watch or listen to those messages, um, focusing on reaching the next generation um, this year. Uh, a few initiatives we have going on. Number one is our mentorship program. Um, it's our goal this year, in the next few weeks, to um, pair every single teenager up with an adult um, as a mentor. And what mentoring looks like is just taking some time to, number one, pray for them, uh, perhaps send a card, encourage them, maybe if they have sports games or plays or different things they participate in, um, to perhaps go to a few of those, be an encouragement to them, and just uh, be uh, there to help them grow spiritually. And we'll be talking more about that as we have folks sign up, but there is a sign-up sheet um, out of the guest services table. Um, if you could just put your name down there, even if perhaps you're just interested, you're not sure completely, um, you can ask me about any questions you might have, but put your name down there and your phone number. And uh, we're going to begin um, next week or the week after, begin pairing folks up, and we're looking forward to that. And so I encourage you to sign up for the mentorship program. And the other thing is, um, we mentioned it this morning in our uh, discipleship group, is uh, here in Worcester City Schools, um, right now, the Wayne County Schools, every school has a early release uh, Christian education program. Um, familiar, familiar, perhaps Smithville has Breakaway, each school has their different program. The only one that does not have a program right now is Worcester City Schools. Um, and so uh, that's been a burden, number one of ours, to be able to reach um, the schools here in this area. Um, but also uh, LifeWise Academy has come alongside and they've spoken to the uh, superintendent uh, of Worcester City Schools already and they have uh, both verbal and written approval by him. And so the next step is um, really getting signatures of interest. And what this simply is, is pretty much just saying, we'd like to see a, a Christian education program here in our public schools. Uh, there is no commitment for you, no time commitment, no financial commitment whatsoever. Um, but just, there's some sheets like this right out here 
on the table. If you could just take the, fill out that information there, and then you can leave that sheet there. And they're just gathering signatures saying, we have folks that are very interested in seeing a program like that here in Worcester City. That'd be a great help as well. So Luke chapter 19 there in your Bibles. Hopefully you found enough time to find it. Luke chapter 19. Excited to be uh, looking at this story. Um, a lot of times we're going through a series and um, usually uh, pastor just have me help continue in that series. And today, without having a series right now, he said, just preach on whatever you want to. And I said, that's kind of dangerous to, to say, but uh, he allowed me to. And so Luke chapter 19, um, we're going to look at a story here, a very familiar story that takes place that I think can be a challenge to every single one of us. So we're in Luke chapter 19. Before we jump into this, uh, this text here in verse number one, um, tell you a little bit about myself, kind of share a story with you. Um, when I was growing up, my dad was a over-the-road truck driver. He hauled steel um, uh, for a living, and so he was over the road a lot. And I remember as, as kids, we would kind of take turns um, going on the road with him. It was kind of a fun thing, you know, riding the truck, and they had a sleeper in the back and stuff. And so we thought it was fun, and we'd pack sandwiches and things like that. And I remember a trip I was going on one time, um, we were uh, at this uh, steel mill, and he, was go he went out to drop off some papers or whatever, you know, truck drivers do in the middle of the day at these steel places, and left me in the truck there. And um, it was getting, I think, towards lunchtime or so, and so I was getting a little bit hungry, and uh, there sat our lunchbox, and I was excited. And so I kind of opened up the lunchbox, and he had three or four sandwiches placed in that box, and uh, I thought those three or four sandwiches were for me. And so um, I proceeded to eat um, all of these sandwiches, um, I'm a growing boy, I guess, at this time, and uh, uh, eat all of the chips and drink all of the drinks, and my dad gets back and says, you know, what in the world happened? Like, where did everything go? And I said, well, I was hungry and didn't think about sharing it all with him. Um, and I was thinking about that story, and I was laughing with my dad about it, and I thought, when it comes to sharing, um, sharing doesn't come very naturally, does it? Those in the room that have, that have had kids or some that are teenagers even at this time, sharing isn't something that comes very naturally uh, for most people, whether it's a toy, whether it's a, a meal. And I think the reason why is because when you share, it means you have to give something up, right? Hey, when my child wants to eat my french fries, that means I no longer get to eat my french fries. And when we share, we have to give something up. And the one thing that we're to share more than anything else is our faith in Christ, and I think that brings with it some very big challenges because we've been told over and over again that our faith is a private matter. Now, you know, so to speak, you know, there are certain things you don't talk about at the dinner table, you know, religion, sports, and politics kind of idea. And it's something we're to keep to ourselves is what we've been told for so long. But how can we keep the message of Christ and the hope he offers to ourselves and consider ourselves to be biblical Christians? And I think the answer is we can't. And unfortunately, most of us don't do it for various reasons. And when I began to, to write this message, I really, I was preaching it to myself so often. Um, we don't do it because a number of reasons. Maybe we don't want to offend anyone, or we don't do it because we feel like it's not our responsibility. But the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 14 and 15, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? 
and how shall they hear without a preacher? And then Paul says this in verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And today in our passage in Luke chapter 19 here, we're going to see Jesus Christ as our example, as he so often is, as to how we're to share the message of Jesus' love and his hope with others. And I promise you, you don't need a degree to tell other people about Jesus. It's not as complicated as so often we make it out to be. And I really believe there are a few things to talk about this morning that we need to understand about sharing Christ, sharing our faith with others, that can transform the the mission, the, the DNA, so to speak, of this church. Look with me in Luke chapter 19, of verse number 1. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This morning for a few minutes I'm talking to you about evangelism, people reaching people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for, Lord, your word, which is so precious, that we can read it in our own language and understand it. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for the sacrifice that he made for every single person in this room, for every single person that's listening by way of live stream, listening to the audio of this. Lord, your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth lived a perfect, sinless life, and died upon a cross so that you and I, so that each person in here could have eternal life. And I'm so thankful for that gift, Lord. I'm so thankful for many in this room that have received that already. And yet, Lord, if we're not careful, we take that gift and we keep it to ourselves. We refuse to share it with others. And Lord, I'm sure even in this room, there's a number of reasons perhaps many don't share it. Yet, Lord, you've commanded and called each of us to do so. It's, it's not a, an option. It's a, it's a commission, Lord. And I pray this morning, Lord, as I preach, God, that your word would, that, that would be lifted up, Lord, that you would get the honor and glory, that you would, Lord, use this for each of us in our own hearts where we need to grow, myself included. Lord, I love you. Thank you for all that you'll do. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. The text we're looking at here took place about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem in a city called uh, Jericho. Perhaps many of you are familiar with it. There might have been a wall at one point that came tumbling down here. But we're in an area called Jericho, of course. It was probably at this time loaded uh, with travelers because people were going to Jerusalem for the Passover. Even at this time, Jesus himself is headed to Jerusalem where he would be executed on a cross. 
But before he makes his stop in Jerusalem, he finds it important here to share. And the man he was to share with was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And from this text, we're going to see a few things, I think, to help us understand the importance of sharing our faith. The first thing that I see that will help us understand the importance of sharing our faith is this. People want to know Jesus. People want to know Jesus. I'll keep clicking. There we go. People want to know Jesus. If you look in, in, this first, in this chapter, verse number one, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And it says, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. Okay, so we meet this man named Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector. You and I, it does not take long for us to know tax collectors are terrible people, right? We're getting into that season right now where all of us are dreading having to do our, 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 our taxes and find out how much we owe, or maybe some of us are excited because we get a whole bunch of money back and we realize that just means the government borrowed money from us for the entire year, whatever your savings program may be. But tax collectors are never usually a good thing. And back in this time, tax collectors were exactly the same. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that People during this time couldn't stand tax collectors either. See, one of the reasons why is because they were typically liars or stealers. What they would do is they would collect taxes for the Roman government, but they would usually throw a little bit extra on top to pad their pockets. So it clearly says in this passage, he was a tax collector, and based on verse uh, 2, it says he was rich. Now, I'm not great at the English language, but I think I know what rich means and what tax collector means. And so this guy... He was good at stealing from people. He was good at taking extra money from people. He was not what you would call the greatest person in the world, very corrupt. And so Zacchaeus was basically, if I could give him a definition or give him one word, he was a thief, right? It sounds perhaps mean, but it's truth. Zacchaeus was a thief. He wouldn't have been on anyone's high priority list of people you want to know. Like, I just really want to hang out with Zacchaeus and get to know him. Seems like a really nice guy. That's not Zacchaeus at all. It's kind of like, I'm going to avoid him as much as possible. So he's not this up and up guy, but it's interesting to see that as depraved as Zacchaeus was, he, had, he still had a desire to see Jesus. He had a desire to get to know Jesus. And the first question I thought was, why? I mean, he knows what he's doing is wrong. Why would he want to see Jesus? But you know what Jesus stands for, right? Well, why would he want to see Jesus? I could only surmise, well, I don't know his intentions, but my guess would be because even though Zacchaeus had made a ton of money, even though he was living at a higher standard than so many other people, he still wasn't satisfied. There was something missing in Zacchaeus' life, and at this time, Jesus was a well-known figure. In verse 3, we're told there was such a big crowd following after Jesus that it says Zacchaeus had to climb up into a tree just to get a look at him. Now, it's pretty evident that Jesus passing through time was a big deal, right? All these people are thronged around him, want to see him perform miracles, want to hear him teach. All these people are surrounding him. He was a celebrity, so to speak. And Zacchaeus was interested in seeing this guy in action. You know, I honestly believe it's still the same way now. We live in the greatest country in the world. I may be a little bit biased. We have more freedom than any place in the world, do we not? 
Our standard of living is so great that people are literally dying to get here. We have so much going for us. And what's interesting is George Barnard did a study a few years ago and found that most Americans are lonely. Even though we have so much, we're not satisfied. Even though we have so much available to us, technologically speaking, agriculturally speaking, financially speaking, so much available to us, and yet we're not satisfied. And I think to top it off, right now we talk about the economy and the downturn it's in, and a ton of you have probably lost thousands of dollars in your retirement accounts. I laugh and I look at what once used to be a green number, and I just hope it'll stay red at this point and not go to zero. And, some, and there's so much going on in the world and so much turmoil right now, and the very things so many of us have put our faith in and our trust in have proven themselves not to be trustworthy. Things that we counted on for such a long time, now we feel like we can't count on. And I think because of that, there is an increased intensity to find something that is trustworthy, something that's stable, something that we can count on that won't be affected by the economy. And I think the time is ripe for us to open our eyes and see that people want to know Jesus Christ just like Zacchaeus did. People want to know Jesus just like Zacchaeus did. They're looking for something that they can hang on to regardless of what life throws at them, regardless of what the next diagnosis brings, regardless of how their, their retirement plan is going, regardless of what happens in life, something that they can hold on to, and they're looking for something to fill that hole in their heart that, quite honestly, nothing else can fill. And I know the, the politically correct thing for us to do is to, is to keep our faith to ourselves, right? Well, you know, if someone asks you about it, we can perhaps tell them. But otherwise, just, just keep it to yourself. But the biblically correct thing to do is to understand that we have a responsibility to introduce Jesus to the people that were around. Zacchaeus was looking for firm ground to stand on. Something that could give him certainty into life. He had everything the world had to offer, and he was not satisfied. And I don't know a lot of people who enjoy uncertainty. Anybody in here enjoy uncertainty? I know some of you, you have a schedule planned out for your entire day, perhaps perhaps entire week, and if anything gets changed, you lose your mind. None of us like uncertainty. We love have knowing, hey, this is going to happen next, and after that, this is going to take place. None of us perhaps enjoy it. Most of us are pretty desperate for, for solid ground to go after things that we can count on. I don't know about you, but I've always enjoyed going to the fair and going on the rides. Perhaps many of you uh, like going on the rides, maybe amusement parks and things. And um, I like going uh, to the, the, I remember there was this ride. I wasn't at the fair, it was at Geauga Lake. Tells you how old I am right there. And it was called the Roto-Rooter. Anybody remember that ride at all, the Roto-Rooter? And it was this cylinder that was, you would, you would back up against the wall, and it would spin around so fast that it held you up against the wall, and then they would drop the floor. And I thought it was the coolest thing, you know? Like, I, I would go in there and I would do it, and you could stand up top and you could watch the other people inside of it. I thought it was the neatest thing in the world. And so I enjoyed doing those type of rides. And I remember a couple years ago, um, I went to the fair, and I had my kids, and uh, we decided to do rides that night. And they had like, you know, like the little roller coaster things and the different toys. But one of them they had um, was this kitty barrel ride. And what this kitty barrel ride was, was you would get up in this barrel 
you know, kind of a, a seat that goes around, and there's this kind of table in the middle, and this barrel would spin, and you could spin it faster if you wanted to. If you spin that table faster, the whole barrel would spin faster. And I remember getting on this ride, and I remember, uh, you know, it's starting to spin. I thought, ah, oh, this is pretty fun, you know, and I figured my kids would like it. The faster it spins, the better. And so, you know, I'm taking that table, and I'm pulling as hard as I can, and they're all laughing, and I'm laughing until all of a sudden this, like, wave of nausea hits me, and I'm like, I'm going to throw up in a kiddie barrel ride. This is going to be so embarrassing. And I think at that moment, I think the guy that was operating the ride saw what was taking place. And so I think he made the ride last even longer. And I realized I don't like that spinning feeling so much as I used to anymore. And as soon as they got over with the ride, I was like, I need to stop, make sure everything else quits spinning for a moment, and find something that was solid, that wasn't moving so much. You know, our world is looking for solid ground right now. And there are people who are anxious to see and know Jesus, hoping he can help and he can calm their soul. Christ said this in John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. I think we can obviously see that. There's plenty of tribulation in our world. He says, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. And my question to ask you this morning is, do you think people in this world are hungry for peace? I do. And I think because of that, I believe people are eager to find Jesus because he is the only one that can offer true peace. People want to know Jesus. And so the first thing that will help us understand the importance of sharing our faith is that people want to know Jesus. Now listen, some people may be standoffish, and we'll talk about that here in a moment, but people want to know Jesus. Zacchaeus was as crooked as they come, and yet he was looking for something that the world could not offer. He wanted to know Jesus. And the people that you spend time with, the people that perhaps you work with, that you live around, they may not even know it, but they want to know Jesus because he offers what nobody else can offer. So people want to know Jesus, but number two, there are obstacles in coming to Jesus. You say, that's not really an encouragement there, Dave. Let me explain it to you a little bit here. Look at verse number three. So it says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. So Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus here, but he couldn't see Jesus at first. Why? Because he was short. Maybe some of you can empathize with that thing going here. Zacchaeus was short, and he could not see Jesus because of the crowd here at this moment. There's this huge crowd standing in front of him. They blocked his vision. And so as I thought about that, I began to realize, you know, there will always be obstacles that stand in front of people coming to Jesus. There will always be obstacles, and I think the reason for that is because Satan's going to do whatever he can to keep people from following after Christ, and so there are obstacles. Some people have a difficult time coming to Jesus because they've had a, a bad religious experience in the past, perhaps. There was, you know, someone or, or some church that really turned them off, and because of that, they have a hard time seeing past that event 
to see Jesus. Their view of Jesus and who he is is blocked by some experience they've had in the past. And sometimes that's an obstacle for people to come over because hurt is real. Offense is real. And some people face that obstacle. Others struggle with coming to Christ because they don't want to give up control of their life and how they live. They don't want to give up control concerning how they live. They feel like the cost of following Jesus is too great. Well, well, if I, if, I, if I accept Jesus and I choose to live for him, I'm going to have to go live in a grass hut in the middle of the Congo, and Jesus is just going to make my life terrible. And they think the cost to serve Jesus, to follow him, is just too much. There are obstacles people face in coming to Jesus. Others are blinded by the bad testimony of people who claim to be Christians. You ever seen someone like that? You think, man, I really wish they wouldn't say that they're a Christian. It just gives Christians a bad name. Sometimes, let's be honest, are we that? Where if we would just get out of the way and say, here's Jesus, don't look at me, it would be much better. And some people see Christians and perhaps the way they act sometimes, and they use that or that's an obstacle for them. They see them say one thing and live another way completely, and so it's turned them off to Jesus. And whatever the obstacle is that people face in seeing and coming to Jesus, those are frustrating things, right? But here's the good news. Every obstacle that stands in the way of a person and Jesus can be overcome. You might think, how do you know that? Like, you know, you don't know the obstacle that I'm facing. Or I'm witnessing to this one person and this obstacle doesn't seem like anything's going to overcome the obstacle they're facing. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 real quick. Jeremiah chapter 29. There are a lot of different obstacles and some perhaps harder than others. But we see this in the word of God here. God says this, speaking in Jeremiah in verse number 13 of Jeremiah 29. He says, And ye shall seek me and find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. Just this past fall, um, we had the, a fun time going over to Ramsire Farms here. Perhaps many of you go over there. You know, they're known for their corn maze. And uh, we went over there, and there were a couple other families that went with us. And they had a corn maze this year of Ohio. They had a couple different ones. I think they had like a Super Mario one. And then they had one of Ohio. And they, the maze had like the different the highways and interstates and all that kind of stuff. And throughout this maze, um, there were different spots you had to go to, and you would get a punch. Like, you had to get like six different punches, I think, and that was how you complete it, and you timed yourself. And we thought, you know, this would be pretty fun. I looked at, like, the map, and I thought, you know, this is going to be pretty easy. You know, the state of Ohio, I know my highways. You know, I, I could follow this map that they gave to us. And so we, we began this journey into Ohio. And I'm pretty sure by the time I was done, I was in a different country, I was like, are you sure this is Ohio? Because this looks nothing like Ohio to me whatsoever. You know, we go up this highway, so to speak, and we look, and I'm like, okay, you know, the, the punch isn't here. So I begin wandering this way. Next thing I know, I'm down in Cincinnati, but I'm supposed to be in Toledo and all over the place. Finally, we just came up with a new strategy. Instead of trying to follow the map, we're like, just walk back and forth, and hopefully we'll find this punch somewhere. And then maybe we'll get out at the end. I don't know. You ever been to a corn maze where it seems like it's almost impossible to figure out where the solution is or where the exit is or where the punches are at all? Sometimes we think 
God's will is that way. Sometimes we think God is like, hey, here's a maze, and if you can make it through here, then you'll know who I am and what I desire for your life. But he says here, when you seek me with your whole heart, he promises that if we seek after him, then we'll find him. He'll allow us to find him. God's not playing some big hide-and-seek game here. He wants people to find him. He won't allow any obstacle to be in surmountable. A person simply has to be willing to be open to finding Jesus Christ. Search for me with your whole heart, and he says, you'll find me. Hey, regardless of what the obstacle is in that person's life, or perhaps your life, search for me with your whole heart, and he says, you'll find me. I'm not hiding myself from you at all. God promises to reveal himself to the person who's willing and open to finding him. On the other side of that is believers that have obstacles in reaching out to others and helping them to find Jesus Christ. You know, many of us, and I speak to myself sometimes here, are afraid we don't know enough to talk to someone about Jesus Christ. Well, what if they ask the question and I don't have the answer to it? Or, or what if they view me as weird? Like, she's talking about Jesus. Like, I don't want to talk to that guy anymore. And we're afraid of what might happen if we share the truth. But I have to tell you something. We have a responsibility to help people find Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility to help people overcome their obstacles. We can't just sit back and say, hey, I hope they get over that obstacle and find Jesus. It's our job to lend people a hand in finding Christ. Zacchaeus had an obstacle. And so he climbed up this tree to see Jesus. And after he did that, after he climbed up this tree, what happened here? Jesus came his way and introduced himself to Zacchaeus, which led to some major life changes. And here's something I find interesting. After he climbed the tree, it was Jesus who approached Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't wait for Zacchaeus to to come running up to him. He didn't wait until he was in the temple to talk to Zacchaeus. He approached him exactly where he was. Hey, there's the guy in a tree. I'm going to go over and I'm going to speak to him. Hey, this is the situation this person is. I'm going to meet them where they are at. Now, I think that's a lesson for each of us. And I really began to think about this, and, and it convicted me as well. The greatest impact this church will make on our community will not occur inside this building. I think it's great for believers to join together and to worship together and iron sharpeneth iron and to fellowship in a group of believers. But the greatest impact this church will make on our community will not happen inside of this building. It'll occur when we're outside this building. And why do you think that is? I think it's because of the stage of life is outside of this building. And people are curious to see, quite honestly, how we perform on it. Hey, you can say one thing when you're standing inside the church building, but how do you live it out in your daily life? You can say God is good, but when that hard time comes, how do you live it out in your life? It's the testing ground outside of here. When they see us living out our faith, not just in this building, but also outside of it, they're going to be a little more open to listening to what we have to say. And so we should be here fellowshipping with one another, worshiping the Lord. But can I encourage you, the greatest impact you will ever make happens outside of this building. 
For some of you, it's raising your kids in your home, and that's extremely important. But reaching the folks outside of this church building should be our goal. Our goal should be to have as many unsaved folks in this church as we have saved. And Jesus didn't wait for Zacchaeus to come into the temple where all the religious people were. He went out and reached those people. We want to reach the people that are in here as well, but not just say, hey, come and see what God's doing, but go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you perhaps are familiar with this boat, the, the Queen Mary. And I was reading some information about it, and um, it was the largest ship to cross the oceans when it was launched in, in 1936. And uh, it was actually uh, in service for over 40 years, and then they turned it into a hotel um, in Long Beach, California, in a museum. But something that's interesting was during the conversion, they had actually they decided to remove those three smokestacks you see there uh, on the picture. But as they started scraping the smokestacks, they crumbled completely. There was nothing underneath the paint except for rust. All that remained was the 30 years and 30 coats of paints that had been plied over the years and the years. It was just rust underneath it. And as they began to try to move it, it just instantly crumbled. And the steel had just simply rusted away. It looked good on the outside still, but it was empty on the inside. And the substance of what we believe concerning our faith will impact our lives. It'll be exposed when we're at work, at home, in our neighborhoods, when we go to our child's sports games. What we believe comes out on the stage of life. And when people find that you're solid in your living, that there's substance underneath what you say, it'll give you an opening to bridge that gap between them and Jesus Christ. There are obstacles, yes, but Jesus says, when they seek me, with their whole heart they shall find me. And so how do we do that, though? Here's just a couple of ideas. One, get to know the people that you live around. It's amazing to me, and I speak to myself as well, because some of us, maybe perhaps it's easier for us. We live close to folks. We live in a cul-de-sac where you know your neighbor's business and your neighbor knows yours business. Some of us, though, if we're not careful, we easily seclude ourselves to our home and don't get to know anybody around us. Get to know the people that are around you. And some of you have done a great job with this, and I've seen this because you invite your neighbors to vacation Bible school and you bring them to church, and I've been a great minister to them. But get to know the people that live around you. Actually take time to have conversations with them and invite them over. Now, a person's a whole lot more willing to come to church if you've invited them over for a meal first and then perhaps later on invited them to church. Get to know them outside of the church building and then share the gospel as you have a chance. Become their friend, pray for them, then invite them to a church event. And one of those places they'll hear about Christ. And as the opportunity arises, you can even tell them how being a follower of Christ has made a difference in your life personally. You've been worried about, you know, when someone says, okay, we're going to share testimonies, like, well, what's my testimony? You simply tell them what Jesus has done for you. Hey, you know, I, I had this in my life, and I struggled with this, and I was anxious about this, but this is what happened when Jesus Christ took a hold of my life. And being able to share how God is working in your life. Everyone has obstacles, and we have a calling to be a bridge to help people get over those obstacles so they can see Jesus Christ for themselves. And so people want to know Jesus. 
Even Zacchaeus, this wicked tax collector, wanted to know him. People have obstacles in coming to Jesus as well. But number three is this, something so important. Jesus transforms lives. We're back there in Luke chapter 19. Look at verse number eight. So Jesus meets Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus meets here. And it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Now, I think the real big question is, why is it a major part of our church's mission to share our faith with other people. If it's such a private matter, and I think the answer here is found in the verses I just read. It's because Jesus Christ has the ability to transform lives. When somebody meets Jesus Christ, it changes them completely. Zacchaeus was a, a cheat, a thief. He, he was a guy who was only interested in looking out for number one. Well, what can I do to help myself. But when he encountered Jesus in his life here, everything changed. In verse 8, he made an offer to give half of what he had to the poor and to pay back with interest. He says fourfold here, every single person he had ripped off. Now, I'm not an accountant and I don't do Zacchaeus' taxes here, but I can tell by this, if he were to actually do what he's saying he's going to do, it would pretty much leave Zacchaeus broke. Hey, if I took $100 from you, I'm going to give you $400, and I'm going to take care of the poor, and I'm going to do all these things. Zacchaeus has totally changed just by meeting Jesus Christ. Now, don't get scared and you know, say, you know, the pastor's telling me you know, I have to get rid of everything, and I have to go live in a tent. That's not what I'm saying here at all. But the point is, Zacchaeus at one time had everything, but it wasn't enough. But after meeting Christ, he was willing to release his grip on what he thought would make him happy, what he thought would help him, and he chose to follow Jesus Christ instead. And for the first time in his life, Zacchaeus realized that all he needed was Jesus Christ. What a change in a man that before all he needed was cash and power and fame and whatever could help him out. And now he realizes, I don't need any of that. All I need is Jesus. People can't come into contact with Christ and not be changed. You can't become a follower of Christ and not have it impact your life. Paul, one of the greatest Christians to ever live, said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become anew. And the love of Christ in his life transformed him, did it not? He went from a man that persecuted and killed Christians to a man who planted churches and saw thousands, possibly even millions of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we could look at so many other examples in Scripture and see that Jesus transforms lives. Jesus loved Zacchaeus even when he was an out-and-out thief. And people need to know that there's a God who loves them, not when they get better. He loves them right now and can make them better. You know, we want to say, hey, get your act together, then come to church and we'll tell you about Jesus. No, Jesus wants them where they're at 
But the greatest thing is, is that he's not going to leave them where they're at. He changes their life completely. So many people spend their lives wanting to be loved, right? Wanting to be loved truly by other people. They think if they have more stuff, they'll be lovable. They think if they do more good things than bad things, they can earn the love of people. And sometimes they even think they can earn the love of God. And yet so much of the love that we seek today is conditional, isn't it? Now, if you do this for me, then I'll love you back, or I'll do this for you. Or if you have something to offer, then I have something to offer. And I'll love you if you do this, and I'll appreciate you and be your friend if you have these things. And Jesus loves us unconditionally. How do I know that? Romans 5.8, it says, In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the depths of our sin, when he knew every sin that we would commit, have committed, every bit of it, while we were in that dirty, filthy, sinful state, Christ loved us. He didn't say, hey, get that stuff sorted out, come back to me, and then I'll show you my love. He did it in the middle of it. And we've got to get the message out to people that Christ desires to be in a relationship with them now. Not fix everything and then come talk to him. But when they get into a relationship, there will be people who will willingly lay aside themselves for God. And they'll discover joy and peace in their lives that only Jesus Christ can give. Only Jesus Christ can give. I read a story recently about a a 24-year-old woman. This was in in Connecticut. um, Who had driven her car into a railing. Um, She was from Connecticut. It was in Spring Valley, New York. And she hopped out of her car, got on the bridge, and she jumped 140 feet into the water. There was a 21-year-old nearby by the name of Daniel Santos who happened to be driving by when he saw the woman jump. And so uh, he quickly slammed on his brakes, handed his wallet to a motorist, and jumped in after the woman. A 140-foot jump here. What's interesting is the plunge left both Santos and this woman semi-conscious, but he uh, recovered enough to drag the woman to a, a nearby boat, And a lot of folks asked, why in the world would anyone do something like that? Why would anyone risk their life for someone who wanted, obviously, to die? And here's what Santos' neighbor said about him. She said, he and his father would do work around the house whenever I needed it. I've known him since he was small. He's always cared about people, and everybody around here loves him. Santos, this 21-year-old gentleman, emulated what his father had taught him. What his father had taught him. And Zacchaeus saw the sacrifice Jesus was willing to make to be with him. As the others say, hey, he's spending time with that sinner. Zacchaeus saw the sacrifice Jesus was willing to make to be with him. People ridiculed Jesus for reaching out to this outcast, yet he was willing to reach out to him because he knew he could change his life. And that sacrifice by Christ enabled Zacchaeus to sacrifice his old way of life to follow Christ. And that's the sign of a life transformed. One who takes the example of his leader and follows it. Now, some might not feel like they can measure up to being a follower of Christ. And I think, let us all be honest for a moment, myself included, I feel like compared to what Jesus is asking, I can never do everything that he's asked of me. I feel like I always fail sometimes, and I always fall short of what he wants for me and what he desires for me to do. All of us 
are in that group where we feel like we do not deserve to be a follower of Christ because none of us are perfect. And so many of us perhaps feel that way. And some believe they have to to get their life right before they can come to Christ because they're afraid Jesus can't accept them as they are. But that's not the way it is here at all. Christ takes people just as they are. And when they respond to his leadership, when they respond to his word and his Holy Spirit's leading, he will change them. See, if we follow anything other than Christ then our lives will not be full. They may be busy. They may be successful in the eyes of the world, but they will not be full. Our lives won't be powerful and won't be what God intended for them to be. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added Unto you. The DNA, the mission of this church is to be a people that shares our faith. And it can make it easier to share when we recognize that people want to know Jesus. They may not know his name. You know what's amazing to me that in the city of Worcester, in the state of Ohio, and where we have so much, there are people in this town here that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ before. They may not know the name, but they want to know Jesus. They want to know who it is that can bring them solid ground and a peace and a hope. They want to know Jesus. It can be encouraging. It can be encouraging knowing that people have obstacles. Listen, there will be obstacles to overcome, but none of them are insurmountable. He says, when you seek me with your heart, you'll find me. He promises that. And most of all, knowing that Jesus transforms lives. Folks that you know, that you see them living in addiction or in sin or in discouragement or anxiety, Jesus desires for them to come to him. And he says, give me your burdens. Give me your weary. I will give you rest. Jesus is the one that transforms lives. And my challenge to you this morning is to join with me and this church in sharing Jesus Christ. And sharing the good news of the gospel uh, and praying for your neighbors. Pray and ask God to give you opportunities to get to know them, to share the gospel with them, to invite them to church perhaps. Ask God to make their hearts receptive to you. And then be praying and asking God to give you an opening to invite them to the church or perhaps a small group. Out on the guest services table, we placed a, a couple stacks of tracks. And some of us, maybe we're concerned we don't know, you know, I don't have all the verses memorized, the Romans road, or this verse, or that verse, or, you know, how can I witness, what if I forget something I'm supposed to say? Out there, we have some tracks that we've placed that have some information about the church on the back, but inside, clearly gives them, step by step, how they can know Jesus Christ personally with their Savior. You say, I don't know what to say. Anyone can hand out a tract. I encourage you this morning to take one tract and hand it to someone that you know, hand it to someone that you don't know even. Begin to do your part, begin to do my part in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Others of you in this room, maybe you're like Zacchaeus, and you just needed to know, quite honestly, that that God does love you. And maybe there's an obstacle that you're facing, and you don't exactly know um, what you need to do to get over that obstacle. Can I encourage you with this fact? God is not desiring for you to fix your life and then come to him. He wants to have a relationship with you where you're at right now. Listen, 
But he wants you to come to him where you're at right now. He wants to come to you where you're at right now. And he can help you change your life. My encouragement for you this morning as we talk about evangelism is people reaching people. Is there someone in your life that you need to share the gospel with? Perhaps this morning, as in your life, you need to come and accept the gospel, accept what Jesus Christ personally has done for you. Can I encourage you, whatever that next step is for you, with boldness and courage and faith, take that next step. Share that gospel tract. Witness to that friend, that family member. Accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you.